Hey, American Express card members, you do not want to miss this. Now through December 31st, there is a big reason for you to shop small at local stores in your neighborhood. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. That's AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, my old partner, Reborn, it's Andy Greenwald! Woo! It's good to be back. Oh, we're back in the throne studio, the booming acoustics. It feels good. A little chilly. Steve Albini would be proud of our audio fidelity. Happy Thanksgiving to you and Happy yours. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, man. You know, I appreciate that. We're going to talk about Westworld. We're going to put it at the end a little bit so you don't have to hear me mope and grumble unless you really want to. Um... <laughs> But I appreciate the intro you gave me because you did sample other hosts for, for a minute right before the holiday. Yeah. And you came back to the sweet source. Well, it's cool because I built in some code in your back door <laughs> yeah. to make sure that I should do that so that you're like, Westworld is wonderful. I'm like, the problem with what freeze all motor function. <laughs> Analysis. <laughs> Analysis. Why do you really dislike this show? See, uh, so we will talk about Westworld in a little bit, but we wanted to get to a couple of the other things that we uh, culturally imbibed uh, upon in, in. In? Just swim in the, the, the feckin'. Imbibed of over the weekend, and um, the first one was this show that um, kind of came out of nowhere. Oh, I just wanted to do a quick theater pop, because I know you love when we do theater, and I feel like the people who don't want Westworld first... Are the people so who we're doing first. the reverse newspaper pyramid style of in terms of importance <laughs> yeah. today. Okay. I just want to do a quick little thing. You know, Chris, I was back on the on the East Coast, mm-hmm. back in the source, uh, and I I took in a Broadway entertainment. I did, and it was weird because one of the stars of the show addressed me from the stage and told me he's a little unsure about living in my America. Uh But, you know, that was all right. That was all right. I took it because theater is a safe space for all of us. (laughs) No, that same night that that was going on over at Hamilton, I saw the Oh Hello show. Oh, the Mulaney thing. Well, yeah. right. This is the this is the two man show starring uh, John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, two comedians best known for their independent appearances on the Andy Greenwald podcast. And uh, is that they, on the poster? That is on the poster. Is that in the playbill? <laughs> it's just... appeared on Law and Order, the Andy Greenwald podcast. <laughs> What's the difference, really? Um, no, they play these uh, Upper West Side bachelors. And here's the thing: the characters are very funny. I just want to give a shout out because it was great. It was a really, really like the kind of laughing where your your, your tum tum hurts a little bit. Yeah. And I was very impressed because people have seen these characters maybe on Kroll Show or whatever, but I didn't understand how they would do a whole theatrical extravaganza with it. And they did. And then Martin Short came out. They do a little cameo every night. Oh, wow. Martin Short every night? No, no, no. Martin, oh, okay. They have someone different every night. Oh, okay. Like Ben Stiller was the other night. Um, they've had, they had the God Alan Alda one night, you know? <laughs> Alda's always on, on, on uh, 42nd Street. Man. Alda's ready to just play. Yeah. Um, but I just want to give a shout out because this show, Oh Hello, is in limited limited release through January 15th. And it's it's a tonic. Yeah. It's good to laugh, you know? <laughs> it's so good to laugh. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, my big thing from the weekend that didn't include something that you did uh as well was i got yeah. I, I, I was gonna try and uh, talk a little bit about this later um but nocturnal animals um the new tom ford movie oh you check that out that movie is a movie and a half wait is it out out or is it just like limited release uh, i mean thing? it's about as available as seeing oh hello i think <laughs> <laughs> no enough. i think it's i think it's like a, 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 you can see it in major metropolitan areas um and why would you live anywhere else right this, this is a blue state centered podcast no it was it, it's a new tom ford movie it stars amy adams jake gyllenhaal michael shannon and um a 
crazy good performance from Aaron Taylor Johnson, who you may remember being a Ken doll in Godzilla and a Kick-Ass. That, is that dude Quicksilver, or yeah. am I mixing up my dudes? Yeah, yeah, no, there's Evan Peters is in one of them, and then Evan Taylor, Aaron Taylor Johnson is Quicksilver in another one. In Ultron, I, I, he was good. Yeah. Um, he is excellent. It's a, uh, the less you know about it, I would say the better, but it is like a really, really, really go- great noir movie. Why did why is Tom Ford good at this? Because Tom Ford is a menswear designer. He he he's he's big into the fragrance market. Yes, which uh, you and I yeah, know. Now, so now he that. has his own label, Fade to Black. Did you know that? His own fragrance label? Well, no, because like he left Gucci and YSL, started his own thing. Oh, yeah. Is this going to be a fashion pod now? <laughs> I'm just saying. I read a little bit about Tom Ford this so, week. So <laughs> so tell me though quickly. Without you said it's a noir, so I'm in. Despite the presence of my number one favorite actress, <laughs> Amy Adams. Um, what makes it not just surfacey? Because I'm being prejudicial against um, fashion designers. It is so. I think we all remember Tommy Hilfiger's Back to College. I, I definitely know how I'm going to sell this to you. Sell it to is me. basically uh, a acidic take on upper class LA life, and inside of it is a James Crumley novel. Wow. So the so premise the- is basically that Amy Adams is this incredibly rich gallery owner who's yeah. married to Arnie Hammer in. Uh, by the way, those things are redundant. You say one or the other, and I understand and everything. And she uh, receives in the mail one day a manuscript written by her first husband, or, or Hammers her second. And Does her she first know hus- she has a first husband? Yes. Okay. And the book is called Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. And it is about something that is, it, it's, it, it's, it's a story set in West Texas, uh, a very dark one. And so the, does that story become the plot of the movie, or does she yes. become? So we see a movie within the movie? Yes. I love this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I really because like I only had read like that okay. m- amount of description, and you go you go into it, and it ha- if you if you allow yourself that, it has the kind of feeling you have when you're watching like Twin Peaks, where you're like, "What is happening?" You, you sold me. Can I do one more recommendation before yeah, we get sure. into it? Um, I read a I read a book over this trip. I read a book by the author Dana Spiata. Oh yeah, you were yeah. I was texting your wife about it. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could say it. I think you might like it too. But is I did. It, that's not the. 1,000 saints person, right? No. First of all, I absolutely gendered my text because I wrote to you and said, yo, I'm sitting here reading Updike. And I wrote to your wife saying I was reading Dana Spiata. I apologize for that. Um, She is a uh, novelist. She teaches. It's it's Syracuse. She's like a disciple of Don DeLillo. She had a fairly big book a couple years ago. Aren't we all? (laughs) I mean, we all in many ways are. Called Stone Arabia Uh that I'm going to read next, and hopefully we'll talk about it. But this book is called Innocence and Others. It is new out in paperback, and it is about two women who are best friends in high school in L.A. in 1985, and they both become filmmakers. Uh, One becomes like a very strict documentarian, and one becomes more of a commercial success. It is not told in a straightforward way at all. But the reason I'm recommending this is not just because we have some cinephiles listening to this podcast. I've got one sitting next to me right now. Um, But she is one of the most remarkable writers I've ever read in terms of her ability to to describe what it is like to engage with media. Ah. The way she writes about how we hear sound and what dial tones mean to us, why we become obsessed with images and movies and filmmakers, it is a very visceral but ultimately kind of uplifting book. I recommend it. Okay, awesome. Okay, All right. now let's do our podcast podcast. Well, so the th- we also want to recommend Search Party. Yes. I think. It's um, fun to find a new show. Well, this was one of those funny things where Allison Herman mentioned this in the Thanksgiving binge watch guide that we did, where I wrote about Quarry, actually. And um, I think I had seen also on Vulture, like, Zoller Sites, it was like, this is one of the best shows of the year. And I was like, what is it? What are you talking about? Because I think generally you're kind of, it's so hard to get 
surprised by like the arrival of a show anymore. Exactly. I mean, there's just so much marketing. There's so much stuff out there where you're like, oh, okay, I'm fully aware that this thing is coming on and it's going to be now. And it's on TBS, who have been trying a bunch of different things over the last few years. Um, we talked about the what was the Natalie Z show that we were talking about? Oh, the Detour. Yeah, the Detour. I love that show. Uh, obviously, Sam B is on. Uh, it, it's interesting because the the goodwill towards CBS seems apparent. Like people, you know, Kevin Riley, who used to run FX and then um, and then ran Fox, took over TBS and TNT and was pushing hard into diversifying what they did and making it more creative and more interesting. So I think there was a lot of goodwill there. There was certainly money behind it, mm-hmm. but it was sort of catch as catch can in terms of what was actually popping. Yes, and. Uh, the detour I thought was great. We both really enjoyed it this year, but it sort of seemed to exist in kind of a bubble. Uh, yeah, they have Sam B, they have Conan, um, but there is this world of like comedies that exist, but it's hard to sort of well. Notice. And it's funny because like you know a lot of these shows you could imagine on other networks, uh, whether they would be a cleaned up version, like an, and I mean like not as dirty um, language or content wise on ABC, or you could imagine them. Uh, on HBO or FX. Does FX still have FXX? They, they, oh, yeah, yeah, you're the worst. FXX. So you could imagine them on other networks, but such is the demand for original content now that you're starting to see these other these things where it's like if all of the good comedies were just on FXX, they would have a 90s NBC yeah. kind of lineup, you know? like With one-fourth, well, one-eighteenth of the viewership. Sure, but yeah. I would say, I where you just building on where you're going with this, I would say Search Party, which, by the way, all 10 episodes are available to watch Yeah, they online. dropped them immediately. They dropped them all last week, so you can watch them all on iTunes. Or TBS.com. Or TBS.com. Um, but I would say that this show is the first one that I would say, this is a T- okay, if this is a TBS show, this is one you can build on. Yeah. Because it is not. It has elements that you could maybe see on Comedy Central, but it's a little more scripted with a little more narrative. A little more heft, atmospheric. Heft to it, a little more atmosphere to it. It also has, it, it, it has, well, let's just put it this way. It has a very, very specific aesthetic and style that is the sort of thing a network could build around for a comedy brand. Yes. And it is Do a- Do you think that, oh, well, let's get in, so why don't you tell a little, tell people what it's about. Sure, so well, it's created by this uh, filmmaking uh partnership uh sarah violet bliss which mm-hmm. is one of the coolest names i can remember especially if you accidentally throw an n in there it becomes <laughs> violent bliss and charles rogers they made uh, that's each- actually the name of a host in last night's uh dude it's the name of all it depends which <laughs> timeline she and charles rogers made a film they're younger than us i think they're only like 30 they made a Great. movie <laughs> <laughs> congrats should we mention that we're doing this podcast super early so <laughs> the coffee is just kicking in um these guys uh, made a film a couple years ago that went on the film festival circuit called Fort Tilden. Did you see this? I did. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it it was very clever. It's a little bit arch. It's very New it's York. It's very specific in its references. Uh, its references. Yeah. What I was impressed with with this, and they collaborated with Michael Showalter from the State and What Hot American Summer to make the show. Um, is that the thing about Fort Tilden is that it was very much a movie in that everyone was pitched a little bit extreme and the whole aesthetic was pitched a little bit extreme. They seemed to understand immediately that to make a show, you have to be a little bit more universal. That's the best part about this show. You have to have a POV character who is amidst the weirdness. Yeah. And because we all have, you know, look, I'm sitting right next to it. We all have weirdness in our lives. And I kind of almost wonder whether the pilot... Well, so the tagline, like like the elevator pitch for the show is basically uh, 20-something hipsters who are like living their relatively superficial or aimless lives in Brooklyn. And uh, the main character, played by Aaliyah Shawkat from Arrested Development, you may remember her, and she 
is kind of like not really sure what she's going to do with her life. And one day she comes across a flyer that says that this girl that she used to go to college with is now missing. Right. And she sort of takes on the um, much like someone who was very excited about cereal or mm-hmm. making a murderer and started investigating it for themselves on Reddit. She takes on the uh, the actual investigation herself and starts poking into it, going to the vigil, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it's partially about her trying to find some purpose in her life. And then it's also actually like a mystery because there is a lot more to be uh, revealed. Um the coolest thing about this show by far is the fact that, unlike Fort Tilden, which I think is like a character study that mm-hmm. goes from A to B very cleanly, uh, this is like, characters really change over the course of this series. Now, I think it's pretty obvious to me that the pilot, like they shot and they were like, everybody was in full them mode. Yeah, everybody and now, was turned and up. Over the course of the like five or six episodes that I've watched, people really change and there's like different layers to the characters and characters who are like simps are also kind of like really cool and and warm and kind. There are uh, superficial characters that have unseen depth. It's just like a really nice piece of writing. Yeah. I'm so impressed by the show because it is very funny. First of all, I mean, I believe that's the tagline for the TBS network. It It is. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it on the first try. Um, but yet, as you alluded to, it also found a a plot that is certainly of the moment in the sense that people do get very, very involved in these sort of serial cases. And, um, you know, there was a great scene. You mentioned You're the Worst, or we mentioned FF, FXX. In this third season, there was a great moment where uh, the main character, Jimmy, sort of appeals to Gretchen by creating a murder for her because she's she's a murder girl, basically. She's obsessed with true crime stuff yeah. in a way that is a little bit ooky. Um but then the third thing about it that makes gives it depth, and again, comedies don't need depth, but it's kind of fun when you find it, um, is this idea, which I think is very relevant and very, very hard to um, to dramatize, which is this I, this world that we're living in where tragedy, outward tragedy, has to be reflected inward, where if someone famous dies, we all have to perform our mourning in public, yeah. make it about us, um, and how the thing is... We always make everything about us. Right. That is not a new idea. That is actually how we process. No, emotions. I mean even. But, uh, but the, one of the major tropes of of uh, fictional police work that The Wire tried to uh, do away with, and even I would say The Wire was still guilty of this, was the myth of the personally obsessed police officer mm-hmm. and like the the cop who is consumed by the case. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing. Like David Simon was like the idea that um, you know a cop would stand over a body and like get down on one knee and be like, no, it's a a job. Yeah, it's a job. And so, but you're right. Like this idea that, um, not only are do our, that our personal obsessions just across the board have to be somehow, um, merchandised is really like, is definitely at the heart of the show. Also, also because, and I'm sorry to mention again, the relative age of the, the showrunners here, it feels very authentic to a, to a contemporary New York. Um, in, in the places they go, the way they interact with each other, these characters are very fashion-forward. <laughs> the music on the show is excellent yeah. and atmospheric and really draws you in, and it's considered. You know, it never... It, it, has a, a, it has a control, and you've watched more episodes than I, have, than I have, and we will definitely revisit it when we've given people time to catch up. But it, it doesn't get too broad, despite the fact that some of the characters are very broadly drawn. I mean, uh, this guy, John Early, who... You definitely recognize from memorable guest turns. I mean, he was on Thirty Rock and a couple other things. Yeah, is very funny yes. and 
just he he was just he was very hungry and then the show was a salad bar or a some sort of like uh, a sizzler <laughs> table for him to feast on yeah, yeah. Um, but these other performances too because uh, Aaliyah Shawkat is really good and very well cast as the sort of the grounding POV character the guy John Reynolds who plays her boyfriend yeah Drew, he's the one that I kind of really was like oh this guy's gonna be kind of like this wet blanket the entire show and he's it's not really like that I that's I, I don't often say this but he's one of those people who I would love to see in real life or to see an interview yeah, right. with because I think that his performance is sneakily maybe the most 100 because he is completely committed to this guy that actually like many of these people are trying to do well yeah. they just they're just not mature enough to it does do a it lot yet. and it, this show is very 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 detailed for something that is um largely like plot driven because it's so much about this mystery but then all the character details are are really excellent but i do think it's it's like at once a loving portrait and a and a like very acidic satire of of the characters it's it's and that's really 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 hard to do it's really hard to do yeah. that it's so much it's so much more familiar i mean when you watch this maybe in the first few minutes you before you see the the scope of it you might think that it's airing too far on one side because mm-hmm. as you said the characters are are really on one in the first time we meet them in terms of their superficiality and their self-centeredness but it it it's not just making fun of them absolutely not it is definitely it, the the camera's eye is on their on their side with yeah. some empathy, which I think is really important. How much of our enjoyment of this? First of all, full stop. Great to discover something new. How much of our excitement is because we're surprised? Do you think? Well, I think that this is actually a, a nice on ramp to Westworld, frankly, because I think that mm-hmm. this is like one of the things that's sort of clouded, or not even clouded our discussion of Westworld, but has had an impact on our discussion mm-hmm. of Westworld, is the like acknowledgement or engagement with the extracurricular activities around the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you watch something like this, and I had sort of felt this way a little bit about the night of earlier in the year, where midway through the run, it had kind of become a real, like, what are the, what's your theory? Like, what's your theory about what's happening on this show? Which is like, you have to take responsibility for being susceptible to other people's, you know, ways of enjoying things. So mm-hmm. if you find yourself annoyed by that, there's really... I mean, like, I have to take responsibility for that, right? But that being said, it was nice to watch a mystery and not have to, like, be, like, inundated yeah. with, like, here's my theory on what happened to Chantal. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, for as much as I love that stuff, like, in Westworld, it was kind of cool to just, like, you and I love mystery stories. We read a lot of crime fiction. We watch a lot of mystery and crime shows and movies. It's nice to kind of, like, experience the, the, the uncut flake <laughs> like the stepped on <laughs> true stuff you know but the flip side of that is something that is key that um search party seems to understand and i think the night of understood yeah. and i don't know if westworld understands in the same conceptual way which is who done it doesn't matter yes in any of the mysteries that we love ultimately the question that people th- i mean that that's a question that has become shorthand for the genre who done it little little insider knowledge for you insider tip who done it doesn't matter mm-hmm. you have to care about who's looking into it who's around it why are they affected by right. it because you're ultimately going to be disappointed if you build everything up on the strength on the back of one question so search party is already compelling to me and you've watched again you've watched more episodes so you know know more about how the mystery unfolds i don't actually care that much about where chantal is or right. what happened to her right i'm just so drawn in by the people who are affected by it yeah similarly i think the night of and we'll probably keep coming back to this because night of was not perfect um but they but one thing that it did so artfully that i just want to remember and keep in my pocket is that it deflected the weight of that question by the time we got to the finale 
and whatever happened to Nas happened to Nas. Honestly, I don't even remember how he whether I, I sort of remember what happened. I won't spoil it for people who haven't watched it. But the logistics, <laughs> but the logistics of whether he was yeah. guilty or not, yeah, or yeah. who did the crime if he didn't. He opened up a boutique in Red Hook. I assume that he did. Yeah. He he rode a bike to Fort Tilden. <laughs> I none of that actually. None of that actually matters that much right. because it's about the larger world. Now, part of that, part of the reason why Search Party can get away with that is that it has comic sensibilities, and I think that the more serious or the more look, like if you are going to make your entire thing about the like the mystery, then people have don't have a lot to hang their hat on, and that is sort of what happened with True Detective as well, right? Like it was, it started out, and it was really like this atmospheric, weird almost like David Lynchian kind of like look at like Louisiana and stuff like that. And then it became more and more the Yellow King, the Yellow King. And who's like, who, where, who is the Yellow King and where's Carcosa? Um, and that's, a, and that's fine. Like I, I remember that time very fondly, but I, <laughs> you know, I, I remember it less fondly. I know, but like, <laughs> I think that there is a lot to be gained from shows that are laden with references and clues and Easter eggs and, and, um, and like need their own footnotes, but there's also something to be said for a show that just very cleanly tells its own story. We also have to be on the same page, and not to relitigate True Detective, but I think the further we get from it, the more clear it is that Nick Pizzolatto, who wrote it, and Kerry Fukunaga, who directed it, were making very different shows. Sure, and yeah. we're not necessarily interested in the show the but other that's person some, was sometimes making. Sometimes the best art comes from that, right? It's, that's a very good point. You know, sometimes, like... some, yeah, that's very true, and. Um, yeah, in this case, the center didn't. In my opinion, the center didn't hold yes, in that. Yes, but case. I mean, like the whole, like, like the push my, pull of it. Exile of Main Street is because one yeah. guy was in France and the other guy was in England, and like they were recording things onto answering machines and then not paying their taxes. I mean, it was like well, the well, tension between the two people are is what like often will drive a piece to, of art. To stay in the seventies, um, remember Robert <laughs> Altman's classic film Mash, in yeah, which sure. Ring Lardner Jr. wrote an Academy Award winning script that on day one <laughs> Altman threw in the garbage. I'm sure he did. It <laughs> did, literally didn't use the script, yeah. but the script won an Oscar that no, and no one ever read it. Yeah, uh, that stuff can be kind of fun too. You're right, but um, I, I feel like we're, we're tap dancing because we got to talk about this penultimate. Yeah, well let's we, take a let's take a quick break in here from our sponsors and then we'll get into. Westworld. Can we get a sound cue going forward for penultimate whenever we say it like a big oh, gong? Yeah. Like you've just list- watched the penultimate episode. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the smart speaker system that streams all your favorite music, radio, or podcasts to any room or every room. I am all in on Sonos and have three rooms of their speaker system in my house. One person can be in the kitchen listening to NPR. Another person can be listening to rap in their bedroom, all while I'm listening to classical music as I work in my home office. There is a simple addition to Sonos that makes all the difference. They have a play pause button right on the speaker. It sounds like it wouldn't matter. It matters more than you can possibly imagine. Unlike other products that have tried to bring wireless sound into the real world, you don't have to pull out your phone, open an app, sort through menus just to stop what you're listening to. You can just walk up and push a button on the speaker. It's amazing. Their simple app brings together your favorite music services, radio or podcasts, and lets you control everything from songs to volume to which rooms it's playing in. You can play every song in the same room, which is great for parties. I don't even know how you would have a party without Sonos anymore. Seriously, how? You can add your existing music services or discover something new. Go to Sonos.com right now. 
right now. I want to tell you a little bit about Indochino. Every man looks better in a suit, so why get one of those generic off-the-rack ones? Try Indochino. It's one of the largest made-to-measure menswear brands. Let them help you find great-fitting, high-quality suits and shirts at an incredible price. You can't go wrong with their well-crafted 100% merino wool suits. Here's how it works. You visit Indochino.com or drop by one of their nine North American showrooms. Choose your customizations from lapels to pleats to jacket linings and more. You pick from hundreds of fabrics and patterns, submit your body measurements, then kick back, relax, and get ready to step into the best, most stylish suit you've ever worn in just four weeks. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 at Indochino.com. All you got to do is enter watch at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code watch for any premium suit for just $389 plus free shipping. You'll never have to worry about badly fitting suits or expensive trips to the tailor again. Get ready to look like a million bucks. Okay, we're back. Andy's back online. Um, let's talk a little bit about the penultimate Woo! episode of Westworld. Uh, so, I was curious. Why don't you, you want to go first? You go first. Because I feel like I don't really have like a cool way of asking you how much you disliked it. So, um, I was going to ask you, do you think that you would have liked it if you didn't, if you were almost going into it, like, all I do is watch Westworld, I don't read about Westworld, I don't take right. in... Uh, no, but here's why. I don't read that much extra stuff about Westworld, I try not to. Um, you really do seem like the kind of guy who does. I do seem like it right now. <laughs> <laughs> right now I feel like that guy, late at night, just deep redditing. No, I, I don't. Um but I didn't need for some of the things I've definitely needed some extracurricular help from you or from uh, Joanna Robinson of Vanity Fair has been great writing about it or um, or Jason Concepcion, who we talked to about it and we'll have next week, I hope, to talk mm-hmm. about the finale. Um, the fact that Arnold was someone we already knew was obvious and yeah. inevitable. The fact that it was going to be Bernard was also pretty clear. Uh-huh. The, 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 the thing is, it's. A lot of this stuff comes down to execution, and a lot of it is a difficult balance. And I commend uh, Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan for creating something wildly ambitious, wildly complicated, but also being committed to pulling back the curtain a little bit in, within the first season. That some of the mysteries that they very, very heavily foregrounded were going to be revealed one way or another this season. So yes. this idea of who Arnold was, the worst thing they could have done was just draw it out. Uh, similarly, I, I think we're going to get some sort of answers about what Wyatt is, because Wyatt can't be the guy that disappeared from Teddy's memory when Teddy realized it was him. Like, Wyatt has to be someone we already know. Right. These these names are just masks. These names are characters, and people have to play them. That's sort of what's in the show. But what was interesting about this was how much a dramatic, emotional, important, consequential, existential reveal can be sapped of its import when it's not a surprise. This episode episode to me felt like, um, you know, it was reaching for something pretty grand. It really wanted to have some emotional weight and heft to it. On paper, the idea of allowing this this man who's not really a man to access his memories and to deconstruct them and to dissect them is is rich. I love Jeffrey Wright, you know. I think people got to know him best from his appearance on the Andy Greenwald podcast. And ever since then, <laughs> his star has only grown. Yeah. But one of the Good best, for him. But one of the best, really, really kept putting his It wasn't Basquiat. It was no. definitely this. It yeah. wasn't Angels in America on stage. <laughs> um, no, it really was a podcast. Were you appearance. in Angels in America, bro? <laughs> yeah. You know, we covered a lot of that on the podcast. Yeah. You know. um, 
No, but I mean, one of the best actors working and to see him have this stuff to work with was exciting. Yeah. But all of it felt inert to me because I knew and maybe I'm maybe I'm privileging my own experience having figured it out already. But I knew it. And the show is essentially like all shows teaching us how to watch it. And the way it's teaching us how to watch it is a little bit clumsy, right. for example. And then I'll then I'll I'll, I'll see the floor. It, this show, this episode, essentially confirmed that. I'm reaching across the aisle here, man. It's not. We're not doing senatorial politics. You can. You don't but, have to cede the floor to the gentleman from Philadelphia. I, I can you be Lee Pace and <laughs> I'll be Abraham Lincoln. No. Um, okay. We'll, we'll, vice versa. Backsies. Um This this episode, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Essentially confirmed that William is the Man in Black mm-hmm. because it told us he was. And I think he's also. I I mean, there's some debate about this, but it's also seemed to to suggest that. Charlotte is his daughter, and I I wouldn't be surprised if. Oh yeah, really? My th- theory? You think? I think so. Um, I, I th- can't believe you. you they, they shouted you on out on Reddit. They love me on Reddit. <laughs> I'm big on Reddit. Um, the you know because he because right before he entered the church, Dolores said William, and there he was, not as he expected. I mean, the show yes. foreground stuff. It tells us what's going on. Right. Similarly, also before Jimmy Simpson killed like an entire camp full of hosts and like now figured out the game. I mean, if it's if yeah. these two aren't the same person, that that seemed like a cool way to pass the night. Yeah. By the way, um, not just kill him, like real kill the <laughs> shit out of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, How did before, he sleep through that? Who is Buddy? Yeah. He got him drunk. Okay. Also, Logan, first of all, great point, because <laughs> Logan just seems like a really well-drawn-out human character. The way Logan I behaves, love that Logan top was to like, bottom. I've decided that you're okay again. I love you, man. You're my brother. I'm just a plot device. <laughs> the scene when uh, Bernard brings uh, Ford down into the, the sub-cellar, right. the first thing he says to him is, they're not dead, they're just resting, which means, or whatever they are, they're in some sort of suspended mm-hmm. whatever, which, of course, for all you Jeffrey Wrightheads out there, you know, all you podcast fans, clearly he's not gone because we were just told that these characters who yeah, die on that level are coming back. we've also just gone through where we've seen Maeve come back repeatedly, right. you know, and Felix fixes her, and Maeve is now leading this army of hosts, and right. who's to say that Charlotte or Ford or any number of people I, won't bring Bernard I, back. Like I just don't. I don't think he's off the table. I, I, I the last thing I'll say is, um, you know, when we had we had Sam Esmail on the stage to talk about Mr. Robot season two, and one of the things that he was voicing and has throughout that the history of that show is that he doesn't mind when the audience is ahead of the reveal. He insists that he doesn't mind that people figured out the the big twist of season one when they figured it out because he was doing some misdirect. He sort of was leading them along. That was fine for them to figure it out because he wanted the story to be able to withstand the reveal while still having the Darlene reveal as the one that you might not be expecting. Sure. This That seems to be logical um, thinking and plotting and planning for TV in 2016 or beyond because this show feels like it was not considering that. To me, the show feels like it really wanted to dazzle us. Well, I don't think that the show probably... So Jason Concepcion actually said something last night that I thought was... He was like, a lot of this felt like we only get one season. That there was... Right. I'm sure that given the financial investment... Did, did, that, did he call you? No, no, no. I mean, we, there was a... There was a you were chatting? Yeah. Oh, where's my invite? I don't no, we, we were... No, he was chatting on like a online, on the on the computer box. Oh, really? I could have seen it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel lonely, you guys, <laughs> chatting without me. We'll put you in Slack if you want. Um, Mal- Mallory and I are going to start chatting. Um, he was like, this felt like it was like a one season. This was like, what if we only get one season? Right. So a lot of stuff 
they they burn and, and you know we've talked before about this idea of like never wait never sit on your best stuff that's right, right? you want to use it all and then it forces you to think of more good stuff that's right? why i led with my broadway story but um i actually for the first time my, my enjoyment of this show on this episode actually flipped hmm. i really enjoyed a lot of the performances i agree with that. i was pretty compelled by like the cross-cutting and all this like the dramatic i mean michelle mclaren directed it so it's like uh it's good um some of the uh the under the the sort of scaffolding around it mm-hmm. actually really annoyed me this time the idea that um there is just like a convenient elevator anywhere in the park that yep. people can come up to is just like that's lazy yeah like that's not how sure like that's great if that is how it is but then like it just like that that re- that was annoying to me and the idea that you know these two guys who we never actually see doing any work are constantly building backdoor code into robots right is like so then what's basically i'm like there's no consequences then because like if everybody can die and then come back and if you can program somebody to do one thing but then that other person can program to do another but any asshole with a tablet can up someone's ratings game sliders so that they can do whatever they want then it just starts to like there's no rules to the actual story right and i actually thought like hopkins was very uh like it was an incredible performance last night. Like, this was, was like what the money is for, Hopkins right? Hopkins was really sold some questionable stuff last night. Yeah, and it was like the melancholy way he walks away at the end where it's like this is actually like he worked very hard to bring his friend back, but a better version, a of, better him. version and of him. And like ultimately, if you put our cornerstone memories inside of us, they always lead us back to the same place. And, you know, whether or not those things are constructs and whether or not the like our pain is what drives us, like I like all that stuff. It was actually the uh, who like what is how Ghost Nation now doesn't respond to commands. I mean, it just seems like this park would be complete anarchy, and mm-hmm. like it kind of made me think of some of the stuff that Jason had been saying to me earlier in the year, where he was like, "People wouldn't do this stuff here because there's just no way that this wouldn't get back." And even, I mean, Man in Black said that before, where he's like, "Yeah, my daughter basically was like the person you are in the park is the real you. You're disgusting." Also. He fully almost died, and they were pretty cool guys. Don't look at explosions about it, right? Which, which one, like, Ed Harris? Like when Ed Harris almost, like, literally hung? comes to within a millisecond of being hanged, and then, but don't you and think then Tessa that Thompson's like? So here's hey. my thing: is that isn't that like playing like double dragon and not getting the quite the right button combination? I don't know that. Like we if don't, he hadn't, the horse wouldn't have moved. We do don't. You know? We don't know. Yeah. Right. Like we don't know the level because again. What what can be done to these people, to humans in right. the park, changes at will, apparently. We don't know the level of, of danger people are in at any right. given point because it seems to depend on what era you're in, what part of the park you're in. Um, the the Hopkins stuff is worth thinking about because what you're saying, I think, is, a, is an echo of something that I was trying to articulate the other week, which is, what does he want? He, he The idea of these two men, these two geniuses who who become rivals or who have different views on what this all means, the idea of Hopkins winning because of his more extreme pessimism in humanity and in himself right. is a fascinating idea. And especially and, and, if you kind of draw it out and it's like, so Arnold gave these robots a degree of consciousness. They turned not only on, on, on uh, Robert, but one of the Dolores kills Ro- Arnold according. Apparently. To, yeah, apparently. Um, whether or not she does that as the Wyatt character, which yeah. some people think, I don't know, but but and you and it leads to these great 
you know, trailer lines. And I'm saying that only because, you know, the, the Nolan family make movies mostly. Um, or Christopher Nolan makes movies. Jonah Nolan made no, but the, interest. the but, scenes from next but, week are generally pretty cool. But like, the trailer yeah. line, like um, when Hopkins is like, you know, I am only human. I will, yeah, I'm human. will only disappoint you. Basically, that's right. one of those self high five lines that when like you put it in final draft, you're like nailed it. Yeah. And Hopkins sells it. The problem is all of this is under the surface. We don't know what he wants now other than to be able to do everything and protect everything. And he seems omnipotent. So that robs him of a role in the drama. It's really just people scrabbling to figure out something that he apparently knows. So the big thing that it's not a reveal in terms of mystery, the thing that they have left to sort of, and this is obviously going to be season two, is what is, what is this place? Right. Which, what, why is it so valuable if it's basically the playground of a mad scientist? What is it like? I wonder whether or not the only way this show can go forward is if it pull if it pulls back, because the assumption here is that we are going to see all the relevant moments of the last thirty years inside the park, right? By next episode, that we'll real we'll find out why what happens to Dolores that makes her kill Arnold. We'll find out probably about Jimmy Simpson and Ed Harris being the same character, and then maybe. No more Jimmy Simpson flashbacks in season two. And I hope that we get a robot version of uh, Logan <laughs> so that he can live on. Oh, my God. But uh, you. But really, the question then is, is like, what is what is Tessa Thompson doing? Well, why that's... is why is she here? She it just feels like that's like she must be very important in the second season. There must be something that she, like, what is she doing there? Well, what is the company doing? That's the right. bigger question. And And all of that, despite my my negativity about this episode it i continue to feel that the opportunity for a second season is much greater yes this season feels like not just throat clearing and backstory but trickery like they were they were they were tricking us in a lot of ways from the very beginning and i think they fell too in love with that idea of what you can do with is it a human is it a robot what time period we're in all the different levels of narrative trickery that you can employ in prestige television landscape while neglecting all the things that keep us watching beyond the first season that said if they have internalized some of, not my criticism, but I think general criticism about the show, even from people who have enjoyed the puzzles, sure, it's an enormous world, and I, I mean that on multiple levels. Yeah, and our no, like the the who is Ford talking about when he was it, like our neighbors, our neighbors complaining again. And if you start, if you turn around, basically, if you stop obsessing over the past and finding cute ways to deliver us what is essentially an info dump, what is essentially yeah. exposition, and you start actually telling us a story moving forward. Okay, that's yeah. promising, especially with this cast. And I, you know, I didn't even realize like the the we haven't even given credit to this, but like the writing staff alone, like Ed Brubaker, who's a brilliant comic mm-hmm. book writer, contributed to this season. Charles Yu, who wrote that book, How to Live Safely in a Science Fiction Universe, mm-hmm. which haven't read but would love to. I've <laughs> heard very good things about. They've got great minds there. They've got the resources of this network. So, I, I for as negative as I've been, I, I remain cautiously optimistic. But in terms of next week. Unless they do save time, what I mean by that is, if, if I will be very disappointed in the finale if the last fifteen sixteen minutes are the slow, gradual, oh my effing god reveal that William is the Man in Black, and that's the season. They need to clear yeah, all that. You're right. That is interesting. We are like the collectively, people are so far ahead of this show that yes. it could be an hour. There was a degree to which I was just, you know, I've talked with other people around the office about this, where I was like, I kind of wish I hadn't 
known all this stuff because the Bernard Arnold stuff would have been so. I think you would have figured it out. Probably would have. It's, you know, and and, and the, I know just, I I am still really looking forward to a version of this show that has its principles and is working in one timeline. The big question for me going into this finale um, next week is when does the second season start? If the second season starts with 20 minutes left to go in this final episode. Now, they didn't know they had a second season, but I mean, if they, if yeah, they pull back the curtain. You always say it's like, this is not, these are not the kind of like, I, I, that, that, that's high. Like you were saying with Stranger Things, it's like they weren't like, hmm, maybe we'll bring Stranger Things back. No, although season, although season two begins in the last few minutes, they, they gave, they gave them in Stranger Things, they gave themselves some yeah. openings for what could happen next. Yeah. I don't mean just that. I just mean like pull back the curtain give us give you know really surprise us don't don't think you're surprising us but again they don't know this all happened already the episode's done and locked but i would be i i really am curious to see how much of a sense of the world and what could happen is given to us in this finale um next week okay all right well we'll be back on thursday to do the re-up yeah we're gonna be back this week we got to talk about the new weekend album which oh, yeah, i'm we into that Starboy. we gotta talk about Starboy. that guy's got a dirty mind you think? <laughs> I, I just have my, I'm going to leave you with one question about that. Yeah. Um, you know, d- there are two Daft Punk songs on this record. I, d- I do know. And they're really good. They're quite good. At what point in recording with, with Abel, with The Weeknd, were they like, I wish we could go back in time like Cosmonauts in the show Timeless, which is a time travel show on NBC, <laughs> and lose Pharrell's phone number? I think I want to like, know like, at what how point much those better... dudes ran his lyrics through Google Translate, and they were like, Whoa. Oh, it reads much better in the original French. <laughs> star boy. I just mean like... <laughs> <laughs> so naughty. Mais oui, star boy. I'm just saying, how much better would Get Lucky be with Weekend singing it? Uh, that sounds kind of sacrilegious, but sure. It'd be, it'd be better. I, I'm sorry to be Mr. Timeline jumping right now, but the, week, right. the weekend is the man in black. We'll be back for the re-up on Thursday. Thanks for listening, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Good job, Ransky. <laughs> Thanks again to American Express. Hey, American Express card members, you do not want to miss this. Now through December 31st, there is a big reason for you to shop small at local stores in your neighborhood. Learn more and en- enroll your eligible cart today at AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. That's AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. Terms apply. Thanks again to Sonos for sponsoring us today. Sonos is the smart speaker system that streams all your favorite music to any room or every room. You control your music with one app and you fill your home with pure immersive sound. One simple app brings together all your favorite music services and lets you control everything from songs to volume to rooms. You can play a different song in the living room, bedroom, or even bathroom, or the same track in every room. That's great for parties. Add your existing music services or discover something new. Sonos.com.